Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. On October 14th, the Shabbat following the horrific attacks in Israel, I shared a sermon called Hatikva Sheli, a sermon of hope, of pain, of reflection, and of raw emotion. I shared that I was scared of the events in Israel and also wanted more than ever to be there. I felt pulled in a magnetic way towards being in Israel immediately. So now, as I stand here, unbearably two months later, I can say I am proud to be sharing words of Torah from a 55-hour trip on the ground, but I'm heartbroken to not still be in Israel. When I leave Israel after every trip, it's bittersweet. I'm ready to return to my routine, to my home, to my community. But I love living in Israel, living on a Jewish calendar, walking to my favorite places surrounded by historical and spiritual personal significance. This time, I left feeling like I was abandoning Israel, fleeing to return home to an existence that is easier. I left feeling guilty. I feel guilty sharing these words from LA. And this is home. You are home. And I went wanting to come back to share what we can do, even at a heartbreaking distance. Everything about this trip was about proximity. From October 7th until the moment I landed in Israel, my proximity was thousands of miles from Israel, only made closer by reading the news, watching the videos, doom scrolling on social media. I felt and feel yet again too far away. I was asked to share a video before I left on this trip, and I shared that on the 50th day of this war, that there was a poignancy to a parallel of counting 49 days to receive Torah between Passover and Shavuot that on that 50th day, leaving for Israel, that I had counted 49 days of fear, of hope, of confusion, of anticipation of receiving Torah. When we received Torah, which we celebrate after the counting of 49 days of the Omer, we were not calm and ready. We were scared and uncertain. However, we knew what we would receive would provide awareness, enlightenment, structure, and meaning to our lives ahead. My trip to Israel was at the end of 49 days, on the 50th day, receiving Torah in exactly the same way. Full of trepidation, knowing it would be tough but necessary and meaningful. This was Torah from Israel. Torah from being on the ground and experiencing things firsthand. Torah to continue living my life with knowledge and a heart full of missions ahead to create a peaceful future. I craved that proximity to this living Torah to change my journey forward. For anyone who has flown on an El Al flight, you can picture the type of chaos that ensues right before landing getting kids back into seats, rearranging 300 bags of bomba that have been passed out, finishing up your davening, making sure that you get up once the seatbelt sign is on for the last bathroom run, etc. The plane is typically very loud, and it helps with that craving to land in Israel really soon. This time, the plane was silent. 
Everyone looking out their windows as if we were looking for people we know, people we love, people who are hostages. It felt like we held our breath, not in fear, but in anticipation and a true urgency to already want to help. Looking out the window through tears overlooking a land that is both beautiful and shattered and glistening and yet hiding so much. As soon as we reached our gate, the three-year-old behind me, who had also been silent as we landed, screamed, Look, Ima, an Israeli flag airplane. That's right. We were flying a very large Israeli flag holding people returning home. In Parashat Miketz, Jacob realizes that there is food in Egypt and that his sons must journey down to bring back sustenance to sustain their own lives. However, Jacob does not let Benjamin go. The youngest son held back as a type of designated survivor, both for the family, but also for Jacob's already broken heart. Jacob knows that it's dangerous for his sons to go down to Egypt, especially at this time, and he's worried about losing another son. However, as Rashi says, if he stays home, could disaster not come to him? Rashi was making the same point that I eventually made to my family and friends. That yes, this trip was a trip where I was traveling to get closer to a place that is riddled with posters of those who have been taken hostage and where surprise attacks of violence and terror have occurred. However, am I more safe crossing the crazy streets of LA or wearing a Jewish star in a crowded area? Our trip was a collective of Southern California rabbis representing all denominations and the Federation's board of rabbis. Our primary goal was to witness, to listen to those who are involved in the current situation, to those who have children held hostage, to those who lived through some of history's worst events, and to bring their words and their stories home to you. To bear witness with our eyes to locations like Far Aza that went from a sliver of Gan Eden to burnt set from a horror film, to hospitals holding anyone who is wounded, no matter their background, to the army base that performed Tahara and Shmirah for each and every person who was murdered or died on October 7th. Our trip was to be present, to listen, to see, to feel, and to return as witnesses. Our trip was to be close to moments that we often want to push away from because they are painful or disturbing. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them as, jo as Zoe taught us, but he acted like a stranger towards them. According to Sforno, he recognized them as a group, but not individually, meaning he knew they were his family, but had not seen them in so long that he did not remember their names. This is what being in Israel feels like right now. You recognize everyone as family. Everyone's faces on the streets with bags under their eyes while sitting in cafes with friends living this new normal life but with trauma painted on their faces. You recognize them as family even though you do not know their names. Rachel and John, parents of a current hostage, Hirsch Goldberg Poland, came to speak with us the moment we arrived at the Inbal Hotel. Sitting in a small room with them was the first moment that made this trip real. Here were parents of a 23-year-old who is, in Rachel's words, buried under the ground of Gaza, and they are strong and resilient 
and speaking while holding hands. In a strange and almost uncomfortable way, they shared their story, one that most of us know, like Joseph to his brothers, known but not our own, with such strength and angst in their voice that we were in awe. True shock and reverence for their words and their power to share and fight day in and day out. One of the rabbis in our group asked what we could do for them that others like the president and vice president cannot. So Rachel said with a twinkle in her eye and hope laced with sarcasm in her voice, can you just go there and get him? And we were silent. My teacher and friend, Rabbi Sean Fieldsmeyer, pointed out to me that this week, that in Parashat Miketz, we hear the word hine 14 times. Rabbi Sean taught me to always translate that word as woe, because it indicates in our Torah a combination of surprise and awareness. I hugged Rachel, a small woman made physically smaller by the past two months, and yet she held on tight and strong because I was someone supporting her and saying, I am here. I am standing next to you and we will help. I hugged her and at the request from her of sharing names and contacts of those who might be able to help through our own connections, I gave her the name of a close friend, a Pressman alumnus, and a member of Vice President Kamala Harris's team. And she said, whoa, thank you. Hine, surprise connections and awareness that we are here to help. The next morning, we woke up to go to Kfar Aza, one of the kibbutzim in the south that suffered heavy devastation in all ways. Lives stolen, homes ruined, trust shattered, hopes lost. I went on this particular trip for this particular morning. I needed and wanted and felt it important to be inside the scenes we have all seen from the news. In 2016, I visited Kfar Aza, and it was Gan Eden, a beautiful, lush oasis filled with children running around, pets roaming free, and kites and signs of peace to their neighbors in Gaza. It felt surreal to be back this time. This oasis now covered with devastation, painted in soot, sprinkled with ashes of all kinds, and populated with items of homes strewn on the outside and upside down when they used to make up living rooms and bedrooms and nurseries on the inside. As I share these images, I can feel my body holding on to the anxiety. We walked around in silence, or just simply saying, whoa, hine, and also hineni, an awareness of surprise, and here I am. I stood at the last row of homes on the kibbutz, the closest to the gate that was forced open on October 7th, still open, now guarded by IDF soldiers with tracks on the ground leading into Gaza. And while our guide spoke to us, all I could do is stare and hear Rachel's voice, just go and get them. Standing on the remnants of hate and trying not to think about who last touched this motorcycle that I'm next to. I could feel the weight and the anger and the true pull of that same proximity that got me to Israel. I just wanted to go and get them. We were so close, and yet I could do nothing. I left, and I feel guilty. Eventually, Joseph tells his brothers who he is. 
והנה עיניכם רעות ועיני אחי בנימין, כי פי המדבר אליכם. Woe, behold with your own eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth, my words, my voice that is speaking to you. Up until this point, Joseph had used an interpreter so that they could not hear his voice and recognize him. But now Joseph uses his voice, his words, and his heart to reveal who he was. Hine. Surprise and awareness of who he is and what story the brothers created for his life. Surprise and awareness for an Israel that looks like some of what you will see in the news, but is living and loving and repairing and rebuilding. Surprise and awareness that with my own eyes, I witness places and people and things that can never be fully represented through the news, but have to be seen and felt and touched through our own hearts. When you feel the power to do so, when you are emotionally and physically ready to do so, go to Israel. Proximity is important, and you will walk around saying, whoa, for all that you will see and feel. Israel is alive, very much so, and living through trauma and fear. Am Yisrael Chai is not just a slogan one of our speakers shared. It is a way of life. The Am is not just those living in Israel. It is all of you, all of us, helping us get to Chai again. Cafes are open. Restaurants are serving full rooms of people. Grocery stores are restocking shelves. And people are displaced from their homes. People are sitting Shiva. People are single parenting while a partner is fighting without communication to their family. <clears throat> people are running into shelters minutes after giving birth. And people are scared. Every person we met thanked us for being there. It means something to show up and to support with a hug on the ground and also with love from a distance. Though I cannot share every story with you today, Betham is planning a solidarity trip to Israel, and I hope that you will come to experience what it means to be in Israel right now and to show our love on the ground. So here are two final moments to share. On October 8th, I wrote to Zoe and her parents, and I said, I am sorry to do this as the rabbi of your simcha, which it was. But after the 24 hours that we have had, I feel the need to go to Israel with our pressman sixth grade trip. The family's response was beautiful and supportive of my decision, and I still had every intent of being with you, Zoe, as teacher and rabbi for each moment until I left for that trip. I'm obviously not there, and the sixth graders are not there. And I am so proud to be with you here today, Zoe, honored that your family was willing and encouraging me to share words of Torah about Israel today and proud to have watched you come to Torah as a Jewish adult. We sat with teachers of a program called Chotam, sort of a Teach for America in Israel, and it was clear to me that they are really the heroes of this story. Children define that demographic any way and any age you wish are having the toughest time. Getting children to go to school is now part of the curriculum because they need to be retaught how to leave their beds. Being in a new classroom is scary because there are other students and new teachers because now they're living in new spaces. And I thought of you, Zoe, in that room, 
because moments like a bar bat mitzvah are so celebrated as they should be, and now more than ever. The teachers from Chotam are, in their words, the only safety children are feeling today. And in my definition of children, that is zero to 18, but also parents of these children who are children to others who are worried about them. Our kids need us right now to share joy and excitement for our tradition and to hold them and comfort them, whether in America or in Israel. I know in my heart it was important for me to be there, to be in proximity, to witness these moments and to be surprised and in awe of what I, what I witnessed, to share from a first account with you, my community. When Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, he did not remove a cloak or a mask. He used his own voice. Voices share emotion and intimacy and personality and the sound is recognizable even if you only hear it a few times. Voices can be speech or yelling or wailing or song. On our last night, we gathered with Israeli rabbis for a night of voices, a night of tefillah, of prayer, both in spoken word and through song. The parents of Aner Shapira joined us. Aner was at the Nova Festival with his friend, Hirsch Goldberg Polin. And he took about 20 people, new friends, into a shelter and began catching grenades and throwing them back to save his friends. He caught seven, and the eighth went off too quickly. Aner's parents came to share their voice and their story. The story is sad and powerful. But what was most touching was that that group, Reshut Harabim, a group of rabbis who brought us together through music and prayer, had a few musicians ready to premiere a piece, a piece of music that Aner wrote that had never been played outside of his own room. The piece was to the words, Im eshkachech Yerushalayim, specifically, Im lo a'ale et Yerushalayim al-rosh simchati, translated to, if I do not lift up Jerusalem as my highest joy. The melody is haunting, and the words much more powerful, knowing that he was trying to save others, originating from Jerusalem, who had been dancing and singing in their last moments. We listen to his parents' shattered words. We listen to Aner's voice through music. And now I am home to be a voice of sharing and witnessing. As I'm sure many of you do as well, I feel guilty for not being in proximity to these people who carry a part of my heart. I feel guilty not being in proximity of heart-wrenching Im images. I feel guilty not standing with a physical and visual reminder of where so many lives are held and in unfathomable conditions. I feel guilty only knowing what is happening through the news and videos and pictures that can be confusing. And I am home, proud to be this revealed voice of Israel. I am proud to be sharing these stories and pictures when you would like to see them, and still that tikva for what lives, uh, lies ahead. Chana Raskin, who will be joining us as the artist in residence for Kol Tefila, spoke about how being displaced from her home in Israel has made her realize that her body is home. It is a home that carries her current reality, as well as the home that she left to keep her family safe. So as she shared, she uses her voice to share the story of her homes. 
My body is physically here and carrying the home that is Israel to me and my voice. Our voices need to be how we share a part of that home. Am Israel Chai. May we all continue to use our voices, share stories of our home, and support one another to live in peace, in harmony, and as Aner shared, as our highest joy. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.